Before we begin, I just want to take a minute to thank you all for listening and subscribing and even writing a review for me. It just means so much, and I'm just super appreciative of each and every one of you. So today, I'm like beyond excited, and we say back in Boston, wicked excited about my next guest because I met her back in 2018 at an event that was just blew me away because each speaker had something enormous to bring to the table. But this woman, her name is Kara Alwell-Leva. She is just a girl on fire. And we're gonna dive deep into everything she's doing because she is super busy and just creating her own destiny, which I love. And I can't wait to hear for you to hear her story. So Kara Alwell-Leva, she is a best-selling personal development author, a master life coach, a mentor to women entrepreneurs, the creator of the Champagne Diet blog. She self-published eight best-selling books, including Girl Code, which has inspired women around the world to step into their power. She has also a weekly podcast called Style Your Mind, where she teaches women to become their own permission slip. Her latest book is called Girl on Fire, and you definitely want to grab your copy today. I'm super excited to dive into this show, so welcome, Kara. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. We have so much to talk about because especially being the creator of the champagne blog, I wish we were actually having a glass of champagne right now. (laughs) Seriously, (laughs) me too. We'll just pretend. But (laughs) Kara, for all my guests that never met you before, I would love for them to just get to know you. And if you could just tell us you know, where you come from, a little bit about your story and how you started your businesses, you know, take it from there. Yeah. So, um, I am from New York, born and raised, still live here. Uh, I'm an author, like you said, um, master life coach. My, my journey started, I mean, we can take it way back, but I guess if we start from where the champagne diet was born, um, it's been, almost 12 years, which is so wild to say. Every every year when I do an interview, I'm like, it's been 10 years, it's been 11, it's been going on 12 years. Um, I started this blog in 2008 while I was working a corporate job. I was working for MTV in digital ad trafficking, which is just about as glamorous as it sounds. (laughs) And I was at a point in my life where, you know, I, I kind of like hit this this place. I was in my 20s, my mid-20s, and I was like, is this it? Like, is this just what life is going to be? Am I just going to be in this job? And, you know, I w- they call them the golden handcuffs. I was making really good money for my age. I was good at my job, so I was getting promotions. I had a team under me, but I just was so unfulfilled. And I really felt like I wasn't maximizing my potential. I'm a really creative person. I've always wanted to write. I've always dreamt of being a writer and an author and, you know, having books and I just got to a point where I felt really burnt out in every area of my life. I was in a relationship that was going nowhere. I was really unhealthy. We were working like, you know, 12, 13 hour days. Like they were sending me home in a car at like midnight, basically. Like that's how overworked we were. It was like complete burnout. And I was looking for something to inspire me. I was really just kind of looking for an outlet. And 
weirdly enough, I was inspired by an actual glass of champagne. So I know you've heard my story before, but I'll sort of give everybody the short version of it. I was looking for some way to kind of incorporate like cocktails into like a new diet that I was going on. You know, like I thought, oh, if I lose 10 pounds, I'll be happier. Maybe my job will seem better if I lose weight or, you know, ever, I think most women can relate. So I remember, remember sitting there at MTV, turning to my coworker at the time and just telling her, you know, that I was going to like, like, totally like, you know, I don't know, I was doing like South Beach or something that weekend. I was like, I'm going to go on this diet. I'm going to start eating better and I'm going to leave my relationship and find a new job. And I thought my whole life would change. And she looked at me and she was like, Carrie, you have to stop. This is crazy. This doesn't work. Like diets don't work. Just start eating healthy. And she started talking about, you know, eating like a whole foods, mostly plant-based diet. And I was like, okay, I can do that, but can I still drink? (laughs) That's the number one question. The number one question. (laughs) So I was like, I'll be healthy, but can I still have a glass of wine at night? And she said to me, yeah, you can just start drinking champagne, like totally straight face. Like it was no big deal. So long story short, champagne is like the light, it's kind of like the lightest thing you can drink. There's like 90 calories in a glass of champagne. So we started very like tongue in cheek. I started calling this my new champagne diet that I was going on. And I thought that it was literally going to be a diet where I could drink champagne, but it really turned into so much more. It became this metaphor for my life. And the, the reason why champagne inspired me is because we went out that night. We had like a happy hour or something for like a sale, the sales team. And we went out and I ordered this glass of champagne and I noticed that I felt completely different when I was holding this glass of champagne as opposed to like a beer or a mixed drink. And I started thinking about champagne and how we save it for celebrations, right? Like it's like, oh, don't open that bottle of champagne unless it's like somebody's birthday or it's New Year's Eve. And I just remember thinking like, I want the kind of life where I can just drink champagne whenever I want to and I can dress up whenever I want to and I can celebrate things whenever I want to. I I wanted freedom really. And that came to me in this glass of champagne. So I started a blog to kind of chronicle everything that I was going through. I really was going through this whole personal transformation and I called the blog The Champagne Diet um, and I just started writing about my life and everything. And, and that kind of turned into my coaching practice because what I found was when I was sharing these stories, I was very vulnerable and open and talking about my relationship and my job. Women were reaching out to me and this is before Instagram. So this was like, you know, I would be on Twitter and women were reaching out saying like, I really loved that piece that you wrote. I felt like I could really relate to you. Um, and that's when the, I decided that I was like, okay, I can take this and turn this into something more than just writing. I knew I wanted to write books and I wound up becoming a life coach and writing a book and then now nine books. So that's kind of like the condensed <laughs> version of the past 12 years. But really like my passion is just connecting with women and, and inspiring them and being as raw and honest as I can about everything I'm going through and hopefully inspiring them to change their lives. Oh my God. That is amazing because you just continue, though, to level up time after time, too. You wrote nine books. And I'm sure along that journey, you had days when you might not have even felt like writing. I'm sure. I know it's, you know, that's your passion. But let's talk a little bit about that so women can relate because there are times when we want to, you know, work on ourselves, personal development like you did. You, you dug deep, it seems, into that. Mm-hmm. But there are those days where you just wake up. How do you continue to just keep going? And you keep leveling up to higher levels. It's amazing everything that you keep doing. Tell us about how you get through those times. Yeah, well, I mean, I started, like I said, I started this blog and I I wrote my first three books from my cubicle at MTV. And I think for me, it was just 
knowing that if I didn't do those things, if I wasn't like you said, addicted, right. To the climb, if I wasn't addicted to wanting more for myself, I was just going to stay in the same place. So whenever I have moments where I feel like I can't do it or I'm tired or I'm burnt out, I of course listen to my body. I think everybody should, you know, I always, I have like a little trick that I ask myself in the morning and I do this every day, no matter how I feel. I'm like, what do I need more of today? And what do I need less of today? So more might be more social time, more time with my friends, more time with myself. You know, maybe I need less, uh, less communication with people. Maybe I need less, you know, stress, whatever. But it's just a simple little tweak that I think everybody can ask themselves. And then I try to plan my day accordingly. I try to listen to what I need. So I think that really helps me stay aligned and stay connected to myself because when we're out of whack, like when something is taking too much of our attention or draining us, it's impossible to keep going, right? So we want to just kind of make sure, I don't really believe in the word balance, but I think we need to just make sure that we're feeling as good as we can in all the areas of our lives that we can keep going and can keep pushing ourselves. Exactly. Because I think if we don't do it, no one else is going to. So we really have to have a focus in what's always your focus. Is it, you know, yeah, just why don't you tell us that? What is your focus to get you to that next level? Well, I think loving what I do and being really fulfilled on a deep, deep level. Like, no, like I have, and it took me time to get here, right? Because in the beginning, it was like nobody was reading the blog. I had no followers. I had nobody that really cared. But I stayed true to my passion and my vision for what I wanted to do. And I remember always thinking, like, if one person read my blog and felt better, I would be happy. You know, and now there are lots of people reading it, but it took me time. But I will say like waking up in the morning and knowing that like anytime I open my Instagram DMs, for example, there's like the sweetest, most heartfelt messages waiting for me because I push myself, because I share, because I constantly create content for people. So having that reward of feeling like you're actually making an impact on the world, like that drives me every single day. You know, it's, and again, it wasn't always like that. They were, you know, I was at MTV for eight years and six out of those eight years I was blogging. So for six years I was pushing myself, but also kind of living like this double life where I was, you know, trafficking ad campaigns. And I remember just thinking like, oh God, this is so meaningless. This is just so pointless. Like there's bigger work to do in the world, but I use that to propel me to keep doing that bigger work. So like for anybody right now that's listening and they're like stuck in a day job or, they're trying to figure it out. Like just do what makes you feel good. Contribute in, in any way and like let yourself be driven by that purpose, you know, by that passion. Because I think we all have something incredible to give the world. I think we just have to allow ourselves and give ourselves permission to put it out there. I couldn't agree more. And I think just listening to you, you seem you're very vision driven. I can see that. I mean, you seem like you had a vision back at MTV of where you wanted your life to go. And I think that's a big aspect too, of once you create a vision in your head of what you really want, and you try to stay on that path, no matter what happens, because I'm sure everybody goes through rejection. And you've said it, you said that you view rejection as redirection. Talk to us about that because everybody gets rejected. I mean, life isn't all about, oh, I'm just going to do this and here I go. I'm going to write eight books and it's going to be great. I'm just going to keep climbing. (laughs) So I love how you explain that because you said it's like a crash course in self-awareness as well. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. So like I said, my dream really was to write a book. Like I knew very early on when I started the champagne diet, I was like, I want to write a book. I had a whole vision in my head, a very naive vision at the time, right? I thought I was going to have my Carrie Bradshaw moment and I'd have this big book party and I'd have this big book deal and quit my job. And it did not go that way at first. Um, my, my first book, I actually did get an agent. I wanted a traditional book deal and we shopped my first book around, which became Sparkle, which is the first book I ever wrote. Um, it was initially called the Champagne Diaries. That was the name. And it was going to be like all my stories, all my, like, my blogs kind of like come to life in, in the format of a book. And it was cute. We worked on the proposal for a long time and, you know, I was excited about it. My agent was really excited about it. And then the rejection started rolling in from the publishers. And there was not one, there was not two, there was not three. <laughs> there were 19 of them in the end. So at that point, I really had to take a look at my, my life and my plan and, and, you know, I, I knew that I wasn't going to let these random people, because that's who they were, right? They didn't know me. They didn't know my potential. They knew nothing about me. They just, you know, they were probably editorial assistants that got something passed over their desk and just didn't click with it for whatever reason. Even though there were 19 of them, I wasn't going to let those people determine my future. So I had to take a step back and be like, okay, what do you really want to do here? And I ha- kind of had one eye on the self-publishing industry because it was really blowing up at that point. This is back like 2010 maybe when this was going on. And Seth Godin wrote a blog post, and I know you've probably heard me talk about it before, but everybody right now that's listening, like Google this post. It's, it's called Pick Yourself. It's called Re- Reject the Tyranny of Being Picked and Pick Yourself by Seth Godin. It's really short. And I read it and it just changed my life. And he talked about the notion of not waiting for other people to pick you and not waiting you know, how it's almost like a cultural instinct, right? To wait to get picked. Like we feel like, oh, well, I'll I'll be a real author if somebody publishes me. And that's really how I felt, but I had to reject that impulse and I had to just move forward and do what I wanted to do. So that rejection led me to self-publish my first book and then a few more. And by my fourth book, Girl Code, um, it actually, the tables turned and, and publishers started knocking on my door and I actually wound up getting a book deal, a double book deal with Penguin Random House. And they republished Girl Code in many languages and kind of got it out there. And then I did a book with them called Like She Owns the Place. So it was interesting to have both experiences. But I really feel, and I did go back to self-publishing for Girl on Fire, as you know. And it's just, it's interesting to look at rejection because it really can stop you in your tracks. And it can make, it really, it kind of, a lot of people just crumble when they face it. And they don't move forward anyway. And they don't find a creative solution. And, you know, there's like a quote, I'm totally butchering it, but it's like, be... Um, be stubborn about your goal, but flexible about your method, something along those lines. And that's like how I felt. I was like, well, I'm going to be an author one way or the other. And I did. In my first book, I threw myself, I went to my local bookstore and I asked them if I could host a book signing and I did. And I bought everything myself and I invited everybody. So it's just, I think it's a chance to be creative. It's a chance to stay true to your vision. And it's a chance to really like just be tenacious, you know, and really go after what you want. I think it's amazing how you did that, but I think women need to know that if they really want, even in health and fitness, if they really see themselves fit and healthier than where they are at the present moment, nobody else can do that for you. You have created your own path. Mm -hmm. You know, people sit back and say, oh, well, I don't have time to work out or, you know, I don't have time to food prep. Well, listen, then you're going to be in the same place, period. And you're a prime example of just keep going and you will get there. And I just love that. And you also say, nobody's opinion of me holds more 
you know, power than my own. And I think that is a very, the way you described that was eye-opening to me because I had to sit back and say, she's right. Nobody's opinion. If we sat back and listened to other people tell us that we can't do this or we're not good enough, we're never going to get anywhere. So I love how you said that. And I think people need, you know, tend to let other people's opinions just take them over. And like you said, stop them in their tracks. So when people are opinionated over your work or give, give us some advice of how you can get through that. You know, everybody is going to form an opinion of you based on their own experiences in life, based on the lens that they view life. And you can't change that. So if somebody tells you you shouldn't be doing something or you're making a wrong decision, they're only really basing that off of the way they feel about their own capabilities and their own limitations. So I just try to remind myself of that all the time. You know, like not everyone's going to love you. I always say you won't be everyone's glass of champagne. (laughs) You don't have to be. That's okay. And I think if everyone does agree with you and everyone does love what you're doing, you know, you're not really doing much, right? Like you have to have some adversity. You have to have some people who are like, wait a second, I don't know if I agree with this because otherwise it's just kind of like generic art that you're putting out. You know, it's like, it's like, think about when you go into like JCPenney and you see like the wall art, you're like not wowed by it. You're not offended by it, but you're just kind of like, oh, it's like a picture of a, it's an oil painting of a tree or a forest. And it's like, boring as hell. Like nobody, like, I don't want that. I don't want to be the JCPenney painting. I want to be something that makes you feel something. The work that I do, I want people to feel something when they read my work. And if they don't like it, that's fine. It just means that I'm going in the right direction and that there are people who will love what I'm doing. So I think it's just really focusing on the people who love you and celebrate you. And really at the end of the day, if you're happy with what you're creating, that's all that matters. Like that's the only gauge of success that I have for myself these days. I'm like, am I happy? Do I love this? And there are chances that I take. And like I wrote, um, actually, and it turned out to be a good risk, but I wrote a poetry book a few years ago called Stripped. And it was just something that I wanted to do. I was just in that zone and I felt like being creative. And I was like, you know what? I don't know how this is going to go over. Is anyone going to care? Is anyone going to read this? And it turned out to be like one of my most popular books. And it still is. It sells like tons of copies every month and people love it. So you really never know. But again, if I would have been worried, right, about what people would think of me, I would have never done that. And it would have never impacted people in a positive way. Well, that brings me into the next thing you did, or I don't know the timeline exactly, but you also love vintage clothes. Yes. Dagmar Rose. Tell us a little bit about that. And how did you, what made you start that separately from the book writing and doing all that you were doing? And what did you say? Oh, well, I love vintage clothes. I'm just going to try this. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I'm multi-passionate. I love a lot of different things. I don't believe any of us are just meant to do one thing for the rest of our lives. I think like our parents' generation was like that, right? Like get a job, stay there, retire. Like just don't explore anything else. Stay in your lane. I actually do. I hate the term stay in your lane. I think it's like the worst phrase because I think it limits us. And I think it makes us feel like we can't change and we can't change our minds. And I think any, everybody should be able to change their minds. So for me, I love vintage jewelry specifically, like, you know, costume, fashion jewelry, vintage stuff. And I would always play in my grandmother's jewelry box when I was little. And then when she passed away, I inherited like her stuff. And again, it was like not expensive, not fine jewelry, but really pretty pieces. And her name was Dagmar. And my other great grandmother's name was Rose. So I just would always like, like channel her basically. Like I'd wear like these big gold, you know, rings and bracelets. And I always just thought of her when I was wearing this stuff. And my cousin actually invited me to a class at FIT, like a vintage shopping class, like learning how to shop and pick vintage and sell vintage. 
And I fell in love with this class. And like by lunchtime, I was like, I'm going to start a vintage business. And she looked at me and she was like, okay. And I was like, no, really? Like I am. I'm going to go shopping this afternoon. I'm going to get a few pieces and I'm going to see what happens. And that's exactly what I did. And I went out there with my knowledge from this course. And of course I did a ton more research, right? Like over time, but I bought a few pieces and I just posted them on Instagram. And I was like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm selling this. Like I, I bought this piece and this is what I'm doing. It's this new business venture. And it took off and people loved it. And of course people will say things to me from time to time. Like, Oh, like if I was posting too many pieces or I, I was going kind of too much in the direction of like fashion, people will say, Oh, I miss your quotes or I miss this. Or, you can't make everybody happy. So for me, it was just something and I do it now I kind of do it more in seasons because I just don't have the time to run two companies really. And I'm doing so much with the champagne diet and my books, but Dagmar Rose is fun. It's a creative outlet for me. I have a little Shopify site. I'm hoping to do some pop-up events when the time feels right. And it's fun. And I think it shows women that we are meant to do whatever we want to do. And we don't have to hold back. If you love many different things, you should explore them. And I think that it's, you're really like doing yourself a disservice if you feel like you have to just stay in your lane and stick with one thing. And if you want it, that's great too. I'm not like not, it's not meant for everybody, but for me, I definitely think like exploring everything just makes life more interesting. I love it because it seems that you're into relationship building as well. You and yeah. your businesses, you're all about community and mm -hmm. getting tribes of women together. Were you always like that? You know, I was, I was always very social, but I will tell you, I always felt like growing up, like in junior high school, you know, when like girls are really catty when you're growing up, like 13, 14, I always kind of felt on the outskirts of everything. Like I was not like in the popular clique in school. Like I was kind of like in high school, I was like kind of like with the goths and we were like, you know, hanging out in the back steps, cutting out of class. I was good going to concerts and stuff. I was not like the cheerleader, you know, I wasn't like in that circle. And I think maybe that's why I'm so like, passionate now about bringing women together because I felt that isolation a lot growing up. Like I had my friends and I had my circle, but we were always kind of like the weird kids. We were like the outside group. So I think knowing how that feels, I never want anybody to feel that way. And I think when you're, you kind of make the first move and like extend yourself to someone and smile or say hi first. Like, I think that's like one of the nicest things that you can do for people. And I think my passion for it was really kind of born out of that feeling. And I think probably everybody can relate, even like the cheerleaders or the popular girls probably felt some kind of isolation at some point in their lives. And I just think it's sad that women pit each other, you know, pit themselves against each other for no reason. So, you know, and it happens, it's happened to me in my corporate jobs in the past. It happened to me for sure. At one point in time, I was working for this, with this woman who was just terrible to me. So I just knew that I never wanted to be like that. And I really just wanted to be inclusive and I wanted to make people feel good about themselves. And I still do. And it just brings me joy. I think it's just, just easier and nicer to be kind to people. Absolutely. And it's just, I feel your vibes and I can just say, you know, you have created so much for women in your community. And so next time I'm in New York, I'm calling you up and whatever you have going on, we can have a glass yes. of champagne. And <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I, just, I just love how you do bring, you know, women together. I just, I think that's so important. But you also are a big advocate of self-love and self-care. I mean, I've heard you say self-love is like a muscle that has to be worked on every day, but it's a little different than self-care. And I know for me, a lot of my clients struggle a lot. I mean, a, a woman posted today about my podcast on her Facebook page, and she said, you know, I struggle a lot with self-love and everything to do with it, basically, is what she said. 
So how were you always a self-love person or how did you start working on that yourself and your self-care and how do you tie those together? Yeah. So self-love, in my opinion, is the foundation for self-care. Like you have to love yourself before you can start caring for yourself. So when I think about self-care, it's more like the daily habits that support you. So exercising, eating nourishing foods, getting good sleep, being happy, doing things that make you feel good, right? But if you don't love yourself, you're not going to do those things because they're not going to feel important to you and you're not going to be intentional. So I think for me, um, self-love is a, a, it still is a journey. You know, I always would beat myself up growing up about my weight or feeling like I wasn't attractive enough or feeling like I just wasn't enough. And I think society does a really great job at making women feel that way and encouraging that behavior, unfortunately. So it's really easy to not love yourself in our world, in our culture. So, you know, seeing that, I think, manifest then in my relationships, for example, like not, you know, not my ex. So I'm now newly divorced. Um, so that relationship was healthier, but my first relationship, there was a lot of negativity because I didn't love myself. So being in a relationship and watching it manifest and even my friendships, you know, like not loving yourself, you just allow toxic behavior. You allow toxic people, you allow a lot of negativity in your life. So my whole twenties was kind of just like a lot of just bad vibes. And, it, you know, I feel like I'm actually unrecognizable in terms of the self-love piece. Like I did not love myself at all. And I was trying to, but it took me time. So I would say my thirties is kind of when I got a little bit more serious. I started doing a lot of personal development, really working on myself, realizing that what I was doing in the past wasn't working. And it is a muscle and it is something you have to practice constantly. And I still have good days and bad days, but at the core, I really do love myself. And it took me a long time to get there. But again, it's just something that, you know, what is the alternative, right? Like feeling horrible every single day. So if you can find small ways, I think, to practice it and to start to try and to start to, you know, make better choices for yourself that make you feel good, I feel like that's kind of the first step, you know, in doing that, setting boundaries with people, you know, um, speaking positively to yourself. I know we can all kind of go down that rabbit hole where we have that negative self-talk. So for me, it's like I really try to catch myself in those moments when I'm having a day and I'm like, okay, would you talk to your best friend this way? Would you say this to your mom? Probably not. So don't say it to yourself, you know, and it takes time. I think you just need to be committed and be patient. I agree. And I hope you guys are really listening to what Kara is saying because she actually makes a conscious decision to create self-love. You don't just wake up in your, oh, it's going to be a great day. That's not life. That's not reality. We all know it. There's going to be things people say to you during the day. You're going to be, you know, maybe you're going for something in your job and it might not work out the way you want, but you really need to put the time in. It's a daily discipline to really speak to yourself kindly, tell yourself, yes, I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to give up. I mean, Kara is the epitome of not giving up in anything she does. So I hope you guys are really taking notes, listening to her words, because staying hot, um, staying positive during hard times is not easy, but you have to keep going. And I just want them to get that message because, you know, you are a girl on fire. And I want to get into your new book because I love it. And I also, I, I can't wait to read it again. I mean, this is a book, you guys, that you will not read once. You're going to go back to different chapters and trust me on it. Just go by the book because when I stopped each chapter, I literally got up and I was so fired up, Kara. I love it. <laughs> I do because, you know, she writes how to choose yourself, 
burn the rule book and blaze your own trail in life and business. I mean, who doesn't want to do that? Let's dive into this recent book of yours and um, where did all this come from? So interestingly enough, going back to my um, publishing story, a lot changed for me after I got my book deal. A lot. Um, I had to really come face to face with my dreams looking very differently than I thought that they were going to look. I went into a little bit of a depression after that happened, weirdly enough. You know, you would think, oh, like you've got this deal, like this, like what you wanted this whole time. But I was really deeply unhappy. And there were there were other things going on in my life too. I was having some you know, personal issues and just kind of like, like recalibrating in a way. So before I wrote that book, I was like, go, I was unhappy about the book deal just because a lot of things happen and I totally go into it in the book. And also just personally thinking like, am I, or professionally rather thinking like, have I kind of said everything that I have to say? Like I was at a moment, like really thinking like, should I just go back and get a job? Like, am I done here? Like, do I have anything else to contribute? And I think in retrospect, it was a lot of fear coming up for me that was causing me to think that way because I wasn't happy with the book deal and I was like, what am I going to do next? And this, I felt like I just had kind of like reached this peak and I was like, maybe it's just, it's done. Like I wrote Girl Code, that was my big book and said what I had to say about that message. And then something happened in me. Like I took a little bit of time for myself. So this is an example of self-care and self-love, right? Like I took some time, I took a breather, I kind of sat back and I was like, all right, I need to really like reassess what I want to do and how I want to show up. Am I going to let these kind of like events going on around me or these circumstances define me again? Am I going to let myself get kind of swept up in this depression? Am I going to just like stay here or am I going to light myself on fire and go for it and really, you know, decide how I want to live the next chapter of my life? So the book was really kind of written in a very intense energy. I wrote it really quickly over the summer. Um, probably took me like three months all in all to like write and self-publish the book. But I dug really deep. I was really honest about everything that I went through. And I just kind of, yeah, I just really talked about like choosing yourself and deciding that you're enough. And I think that's something we hear that term a lot, like choose yourself, but what does it actually look like? So it's a guidebook, obviously, for women who want to kind of reject the status quo and make changes in their lives and do things their way on their own terms. And I share a lot of my own personal stories and even some stories from other women that have inspired me. And I think it's just, it's kind of like the next level book, the sequel that I really wanted to write to Girl Code, right? Because that's kind of like, for me, Girl Code was more about like, okay, pursuing your dreams, collaborating with other women, like coming together in sisterhood and like seeing that things are possible. This book really shows you how to do that. Like, what does it look like after you recognize what you want? How do you go after that? How do you chase that? How do you face rejection? How do you handle setbacks and how do you move forward in a really empowered way? I even love my favorite chapter. One of them is chapter 10 because you wrote, it's never too late to be who you secretly dream of being. And for me, I'm 45 and I was in fitness and health. That was my passion for years being, you know, I had my own boot camp and a lot of online fitness classes, things like that. But at 45, when that door closed, I had to say, okay, and at one point I thought, am I too old to really do something different? But no, my passion has always been about women empowerment and helping women from the inside out. So, you know, it's never too late, you guys, to really make a change if it's a passion of yours. And just like Kara said, we're evolving. 
I mean, just because you had a 50th birthday or whatever age you are, you can still open a new chapter to your life, which is so exciting. And I think we need to stay excited about that and not throw the towel in and say, well, I'm done. I don't think there's anything left for me. And that's what this book is about to me, you know, becoming a girl on fire. So I want to thank you again. And I know I keep talking about it, but it really just put that fire back in me because there's times I do wake up and say, you know, I'm getting older and my birthday's this week and I'm turning 46. And, but you know what? I'm just starting out and you guys can too. So I just hope you take that and run with it because it's never too late to become the person you dream of being. So I love that chapter. And I think that's yeah. what you're doing, right, Kara? I mean, you're not yeah. stopping. So now that- I am just getting started. And you know what? Like the, I'm going to be 40 this year and I'm so excited to age. I'm so excited. It's a privilege, right? Like not everybody gets to. Not everybody gets the freedom to, to change directions. We live in an, an amazing country. I know it's a crazy political climate right now, but at the end of the day, we still have the freedom to do the things that we want to do. A lot of women don't. A lot of women that write to me, I have a, a lot of women actually in Iran who are reading my book now. And they've like, they did this whole, I don't know if you saw this, but they did this I whole did. Sort of like, underground translation. And these women are like, you know, facing so many challenges that we can't even imagine. And they're writing to me saying, you know, I really, one woman reached out and she's like, I really want to be a musician. But you know, there's a lot of like women aren't musicians in my country and I'm getting a lot of pushback from my family, but your book inspired me to do it anyway. And like, when you hear things like that, it's like, wow, we have so much opportunity. So it's really a responsibility, I think for us as women to really lead the way and to show other women wherever they are, whatever country they're in, whatever age they are, that like everything is possible. And I'm so inspired by women who are older than me, who are doing what they love. And I also think you're wiser. You're more, you know, you've experienced more of the world. So like for me to, to kind of just keep taking this knowledge and using that and using the experience that I have in life to share with people, like I just, I can't wait to see what's next. I'm excited. So tell us, what are you thinking is next? How about this? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no. You know, I, I re okay, I just launched the Style Your Mind Academy. So that's been like kind of my passion project for this year, my, my new baby, if you will. I launched it in January and it's basically, it's a member, a coach, monthly coaching membership club. So I work with women, obviously one-on-one -on -one and in masterminds, but not everybody can afford to hire a coach. Not everybody has the time to hire a coach. So my vision was to create something that would help people support their personal development routines beyond a book, beyond a podcast, but maybe for somebody who, like I said, just, you know, isn't in the place to hire a coach. So I do coach the girls in the group. We do two live calls per month and we have a Facebook group and I'm going to be adding some other stuff. We have themes each month. So this month, February is becoming the love of your own life. And the theme is self-love and self-care. I do a workbook for them. And it's like, I really wanted to make that like a price point that almost everybody could jump into. So it's like $19 a month, $19.99 a month. And people get to experience that. And that's been bringing me so much joy because I hear all the time from single moms. I was raised by a single mom. So I know what it's like to, you know, really be like, you know, not be able to spend money on things. Like I watched my mom struggle so much and sacrifice so much. I hear from college girls who are like, thank you for making this so accessible to me. Like I really need support, but I really am just in a place financially where I can't do much. So I knew that I wanted that to be something that I focus on. So that's like really where I'm pouring a lot of my energy into this year. 
um, taking a little breather from writing right now because I did just publish Girl on Fire in November. So we're sort of like just continuing to share that message on the podcast within the membership club, just speaking engagements and things that I do. But we'll see. I've never really been like a five-year plan, 10-year plan person. I kind of like to move through life with inspired energy. So we'll see what happens. I love it. That's you're an unusual woman in that way because so many. No, what I mean, it's in a very good way. I love that you don't. I think a lot of people stress out and say, "Oh, I'm listening to all these people and they have their five year plan," and but I don't. And oh my god, I might. What am I going to do? You know, sometimes we don't feel. You know, we're like those other women that are so organized with their lives because I'm not. I'm the same way. I'm more like you. I just kind of keep going with my gut. My gut leads yeah. the way, and I know, you know, my I'm passionate about what I'm passionate about. So if you don't have a five-year plan, ladies, it's okay. You can just take what you're passionate about and run with that because that's where you'll find the success. And if you're doing something that's not passionate, it's, you know, you're going to nosedive, right? It's just the way it's it so is. so true. It's so, so true. Yeah. And let yours, like, I think like, that's a great point, you know, like, don't be afraid to listen to your intuition, especially if it looks different than you thought it was going to look. You know, I think that's when we really need to tap in and really tune into ourselves and say, okay, how does this feel? How do I feel every single day? Am I happy doing what I'm doing? And if I'm not, you know, can I find the courage to change directions? Cause life is short. And that's one thing that drives me every single day thinking if this was Steve Jobs actually said this, if this was the last day of my life, would I be happy doing what I do? And I think of that every single day. It helps me stay in a place of gratitude. It helps me stay in a space of energy, even when I'm tired and I haven't slept. Like I just think to myself, like live each day like it's your last. It sounds so cliche, but there's so much power behind that. So much power. I, I love that so much because life is so short. Kara, do you have a morning routine? I talk to a lot of my guests and you know, lots of them do, a few don't, but I'm curious about you. Do you have one? You know, it's not a routine where it happens every single day in a specific order, right? It's not like I have to do certain things. Like, you know, I, I always like roll my eyes when I read those articles. Like this CEO gets up at 3.45 a.m. and runs 12 miles and does a 19-step skincare routine. Like I'm so not that girl. But there are certain things that I do incorporate into my mornings. Like I love to start my morning with music. I don't watch the news. Um, I read the headlines. I get my New York Times email and I, I check out what's going on. But I really try to stay in a very intentional, calm space when I wake up. So I put on music. I light all my candles. I have my coffee. And I usually just kind of check my email. You know, I set an intention for the day. Like I just, you know, I'll write something down, how I want to feel that day. I'll do what I said earlier. Ask myself, what do I need today? What do I need more of? What, am I, what do I need less of? And I just sort of like ease in. I really, I do jump into my work pretty early because it does bring me a lot of joy. So I like to, you know, check in and see what's going on and, you know, jump on social media, but I really don't spend a lot of time scrolling or doing anything like that. It's more just kind of like maintenance for my own business. Um, and that's it. I work out a few mornings a week. That's something that really is important to me. Um, but I wake up really early. I'm like a my, I wish that I could sleep in, but my body has its like own internal alarm clock. So 6 a.m. I'm like up <laughs> doing my thing. I know you love Soul Cycle too, and I love it. I do, well. I do, I know. And you just got hooked on that pretty not too long ago, right? No, I've been going for five years actually. Oh, five, okay, okay. Yeah. You might have I've, talked about that when I met you in 2018. So yeah, yes, okay. Yeah. That, that like, changed your life, didn't it? Oh my God, so much. I've done like, I think I've done like almost 700 rides at this point. I'm just like a little obsessed. It's, 
yeah, it's, it ha- really did change my life. And again, because of the community aspect, it's not the workout, it's the community. And I have to give a shout out to Noah, who was my, is my soul cycle instructor turned really good friend of mine. And he has just, with his class, if anybody listening now is in New York, go take his class because he really creates such a safe space for people. And I needed it. I mean, even like I mentioned earlier, like going through my divorce, like that soul cycle was a place for me to really work out a lot of shit in my head. You know, it was a place to go. Yeah. It was a place to just go and like be alone with myself, but still be surrounded by positive energy. If that makes sense. Like no one's talking to each other, but you're in a room. I have like chills thinking about it. Like you're in a room with all these like like like-minded people who are all there to do the same thing. Everyone's working some stuff out. And, you know, obviously like I love the music that my instructor plays and, you know, he says a lot of things that really just make you think. So it's been very therapeutic for me and it still is. I actually took a little mini break from it for a while and I work out with a trainer now, but I'm actually going back on Thursday. So I'm excited um, to jump back in. And it's just, it's been like a constant in my life for the past few years that has really, really supported me. So I think even if it's not soul cycle, if you're listening now and you're like, I need something like try to find some sort of like community driven workout. I really think that there's just, there's a lot there that is just, I don't know, it changes your life, whether it's yoga, spin, a boot camp, something, you know, you taught them, right? I mean, that's. I do. I do. And I agree. Find something, find, you know, a place where you're going to feel better when you leave. Maybe it's soul cycle. Maybe it's, you know, like you said, a, a Pilates class, but I think, taking your health really serious on top of this conversation. First of all, we need to be doing something because mm-hmm. you just feel better at the end of the day, no matter what. But yes, I agree. It's very therapeutic. So if you're struggling right now, maybe in your mindset or, you know, start with a workout. Let me just throw that in because <laughs> it always yeah. makes things better. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And oh, Kara, we, I could go on and on with you for another <laughs> hour because I just love everything that you've shared with all of us. And I don't know about you guys, but I really am fired up to just continue to work hard on myself and my passions. So I just, I'm, I'm super excited for what's next for you, Kara. And I know you don't really know yet. <laughs> <laughs> you guys will find out when I do. <laughs> yeah, she'll, she'll be announcing that. But I love the Style Your Mind Academy. I mean, you guys got to check that out. I will put that stuff you know, in my show notes. But Kara, where else can they find you or connect with you? Uh, so I'm on Instagram every day at The Champagne Diet. And my podcast is called Style Your Mind. So if you go on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, all those places, you can find it there. And all my books are on Amazon. So Girl on Fire is the latest one. And you can pretty much find everything else on Amazon as well. Perfect. I got to thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing everything and thank you all for listening. So have a great day, you guys, and keep on climbing. If you loved this episode, take a screenshot for me and post it on your stories. Make sure you guys tag me. And because I appreciate you all so much, I am offering you 10% off my course, Addicted to the Climb. You can find that on my website, kellytyan.com. Make sure to spell it K-E-L-L-E-Y-T-Y-A-N. And one last thing, don't forget to subscribe and leave me a review. That is how I can get this out to the masses. Until the next time, keep on climbing.